2: minutes a day, 365 days a
0: year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
2: What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. Not just any episode of the Pack a Day podcast, but it is officially training camp eve. We are one day away on Tuesday. Both Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds are going to be speaking to the media. Wednesday kicks off training camp. Monday, we had the shareholders meeting. There was nothing really major to take away from the shareholders meeting. The one thing I did learn is that apparently Matt Orsick's name, the long snapper, is pronounced Matt Orzek. So that is the one big takeaway from uh, the shareholders meeting. It was also great to see the Packers still have plenty of money in the slush fund, which allows them to put a bunch of money up front to towards signing bonuses and those sort of things. It's something that goes a little bit underrated with the Packers' ability to make moves and just be super aggressive with their contract structures and giving a bunch of that signing bonus money so they can spread money out through the length of the contract. If you don't have money up front, you can't do that sort of thing. So, I'm um, always great to see that. Leroy Butler uh, gets added to the board of directors, like those sort of things, super fun. It was my first time ever being at a shareholders' meeting, but nothing major to take away from it overall. Um before I get into today's episode I did want to mention tonight Tuesday night I am going to be holding a live Packers training camp or pre-training camp Q&A over on YouTube, the Packaday YouTube channel. Make sure to check that out. Again, 7 p.m. Central time, Lambo time. Uh, I will be there answering all of your questions. So uh, make sure to check that out. Make sure to set an alert and an alarm for when that launches, but it'll be 7 p.m. live on YouTube. You're going to want to make sure to check that out. And I'm going to answer as many questions as I can. I'm going to plan for an hour and go until about 8 p.m. Central, but guess what? If we go long and there's a bunch of questions and people want to keep chatting, let's just keep doing it. And I'll answer as many questions as I I possibly can should be fun right before training camp starts. So 7 p.m. Central Tuesday night. Make sure to check that out. All right. So I want to jump into our main topic for today now, and you might be wondering based on the topic uh, and what the title of the today's topic is, what the heck I'm talking about. And what I want to talk about a little bit here is the Packers roster construction. And specifically, it is the time where we start getting into 53-man roster predictions. And I promise you, you are still going to find 53-man roster predictions on this show. I love going through the 53-man roster and you know trying to sort out who's going to make it, who's not, who's going to end up on the practice squad and those sort of things. But the truth of the matter is, 53, at least the initial 53-man roster projections were always a little bit overrated. They change so incredibly fast. You have injuries, you've got pup lists, you've got suspensions, you've got IR, you've got players coming back from IR, you've got the practice squad. Like everything is super malleable and changes constantly in the current NFL. So it was always a little like... The, the initial 53-man roster to the ending 53-man roster is quite a bit different, and there are going to be about, I don't know, 70 to 80 players that are eventually going to make their way onto the field for the Packers at some point this season. So again, I will say this very clearly one more time. I love 53-man roster projections. They're super fun to do. They're always a bit overrated, but now they're even more outdated. And what I will what I mean by that is things have changed. Used to be that you had a 53-man roster, you had a 10-man practice squad, and you could not elevate Of course, anyone from those practice squads. So, if you wanted to elevate somebody from the practice squad, I guess you could, but you had to actually sign them to the active roster, release another player, hope that that player would clear waivers, and then you could add that player to the practice squad. But it was a much shorter list of players, with only ten players, and there wasn't that trigger mechanism where you could actually elevate a player on game day from the practice squad to the active roster without having to subject a, a, you know, basically opening up a roster spot and then subjecting the player to waivers. If you wanted to bring them back to the practice squad, once they were done playing in that specific game, but things have changed. You still have that 53 man roster, but you have a 16 man practice squad, which is a very large practice squad. In addition, there used to be extreme limits as to which players you could put on the practice squad. Those limits have been very much tempered. You can have veterans on the practice squad. It's still limited as to how many veterans you can have on the practice squad, but you can have them before you have to, you could only have certain amount of years of service. If you were to be added to the practice squad, that's not the case anymore, but more importantly, you can still, which was a great COVID rule that has been carried over and it's been a great addition. You can still elevate players on game day from the practice squad to the active roster. And in doing so, you do not have to open up a roster spot and you do not have to subject them to waivers on their way down. Now all that is to be said said basically that the 53 man roster in its you know like in its initial state what you really needed to do was to have all of your I's dotted, T's crossed, and your bases covered. I don't know how many more cliches I could put on that, but you really had to have your bases covered to make sure that you had enough of every position on your active roster so that you could actually field a team on game day. You know, you still had your inactives back in the day, uh, which you still do today. You used to actually have more, but you really needed to make sure that you had your roster filled out at every position because, you know, you just didn't have the flexibility that you have now with being able to call players. Up from the practice squad, so that 53-man roster, like you had to have a certain amount of players at every position. And when you did sort of your 53-man roster predictions, you could say with like some certainty, well, they're going to carry at least three running backs, and they're going to carry so many of each player. Like you kind of knew there was kind of a minimum that you had to keep. Now that that's not really necessarily the case, you have a lot more flexibility with how you ultimately put that 53-man roster together, and the 53 matters much less than it used to. And friends, I can tell you this with a straight face, it is all about the 69. Don't worry about the 53 just worry about the 69. The 69 roster is, of course, your 53-man roster plus your 16-man practice squad, which ultimately gets you to 69 players on your roster. Now, to be fair, it's not quite as catchy of a uh, title if I would have put it this way, but the Packers do have their international pathway program player. Um, so they do technically have the ability to keep 70 players on the roster, 53 on the active, 16 on the practice squad, and one on the international pathway program. But I digress. It is all about the core 69. The one international pathway program player is not going to factor into the season in any real capacity. So it's all about those 69 players that they will ultimately keep. And as I mentioned, it's easy to get caught up in saying like, well, they got to keep three running backs and five to six wide receivers and blah, blah, blah. That is all but done with. And it does not matter anymore. The goal is not to keep the most balanced, well-rounded 53-man roster. kind of used to be 25 players on offense, 25 on defense, and three on special teams. That is all, again, out the window. It does not matter anymore. And a great way to look at this is just going back to a season ago. Last year, and this is something I predicted ahead of time because I kind of saw this coming, they only kept two running backs. They only kept Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And the reason being is they felt that they could get their running backs back on the practice squad when they were subjected to waivers once they were initially released and that they wouldn't lose any players that they actually wanted to lose. They cut Patrick Taylor, they cut um, Goodson, Tyler Goodson, and you know what happened? They were able to immediately get those two players back on the practice squad. And in doing so, they could... Pull those players up from the practice squad on game day when they wanted to. If they didn't want to, they didn't have to. They could go through a game day with just the two running backs that they wanted, but they had that flexibility in doing so and they felt confident that they were going to be able to get those running backs back on the practice squad, that they weren't going to lose them. They, you know, bet correctly and they ultimately were able to get them back. Meanwhile, they kept seven wide receivers on the roster. And back in the day, if a team would have kept seven wide receivers, it would have been like, man, you're you're not gonna be able to field the like the roster that you need. That's that is too many wide receivers. But what Green Bay didn't want to do at that time is release those wide receivers and subject those wide receivers to waivers, and they wanted to keep them on the roster so that they would not lose those players. And that is what is really important right now, is making sure that you don't lose the players that you wanna keep. That's what you need to worry about on cutdowns. It's not checking the box of how many players you need at each individual position. There is clearly a limit to where you can go with this. You need to keep some players on your roster, like it'd be tough to just keep one running back or one quarterback or you know three wide receivers or things like that. There is certainly a limit to how far you can go with this, but it is certainly much less now about the number of players at each position and more about making sure that you keep the players that you want to keep. And when you do subject them to waivers at cutdowns, that you're hoping you're going to be able to get those players back on the practice squad. So if we go back to last year, right, of all the players that they released through their cutdowns, and this year there's only going to be one roster cutdown, um, but last year when they did it with all of their cutdowns, the only player that they lost, the only player that they lost, I'll give you two seconds. you want to put together a guess who they lost? Ty Summers. That is the only player that they lost in cutdowns a season ago. He was I think claimed by the Jaguars. It's possible he just signed I don't remember the exact extent of it, but he ended up there and they really, after they ultimately released him. The truth is, I do not believe Green Bay had any intention of bringing Ty Summers back in any capacity on the practice squad, etc. Maybe they would have thought about putting him back on the practice squad. I don't think that they were ultimately concerned about losing Ty Summers. So I would argue that they did not lose any of the players that they wanted to lose in their cutdowns a season ago. In fact, their initial practice squad, all right, their 16-man practice squad that they initially put together was 14 of those 16 players were players that they had released during their cutdowns. Danny Etling, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, Travis Fulgham, Jawan Winfrey, Caleb Jones, Jack Heflin, Chris Slayton, Ladarius Hamilton, Kobe Jones, Ray Wilborn, Keandre Thomas, Micah Abernathy, and Ramiz Ahmed. 14 of their 16 were players that they had released during cutdowns and were able to bring back onto the practice squad. They didn't lose any of those players. So they were able to keep 67 of their 90 players that they had had on their off-season roster, and then they added two more players to the practice squad. And had they wanted to keep 70 or uh, you know, excuse me, 69 out of 90, they would have been able to do that. There would have been two other players that they could have signed, but they just decided to go in a different direction. And the only player that again that they legitimately lost. Was Ty Summers to the Jaguars, who ended up on their 53-man roster to begin with. I think he eventually got released. It doesn't matter, neither here nor there. And again, I don't think they wanted to keep him anyway. Now here's the thing though. They kept, you know, seven wide receivers. Had they released, you know, one of their younger wide receivers, had they released Samore Toure, they easily could have lost him. If they lost, you know, they released Rashid Walker at the end of the cutdowns, they easily could have lost him as well. So Green Bay played a little bit of a game and keeping some players that weren't going to play. Jonathan Ford, Rashid Walker, you know, Toure played a little bit, certainly, but there were a few players on the roster last year that they weren't really expected to, to play. Sean Ryan's another one. But had they released them, there's a good chance that another team may have taken a flyer and picked them up and claimed them and put them on their 53 man roster, which would have meant that they would have lost those players. And you could make an argument that if you go back to last year, maybe, you know, Caleb Jones was more ready than Rasheed Walker. Maybe Juwan Winfrey was more ready than Samore Toure. Maybe like you could go on and on. There's different, certainly players here at different positions. Maybe Mike Abernathy was a better safety last year than what Tariq Carpenter was. But the truth is, is they felt that they could release Micah Abernathy and they could release Caleb Jones and Juwan Winfrey and Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor and Danny Etling and Ramiz Ahmed and all those other players and still get them back on the practice squad. They took that gamble and it paid off. And they didn't, like I said, I don't think they lost a single player that they wanted to on their core roster, either the 53 or the practice squad. And that is a huge thing. So there were some fan favorites like Caleb Jones, like Tyler Goodson, Juwan Winfrey, Jack Heflin, et cetera, that I think maybe some people were upset that they got released from the initial 53-man roster, but Green Bay was able to bring all of them back to the practice squad. And that brings me to another story, which was 2020 and Chris Barnes as a rookie. And you know what happened with Chris Barnes as a rookie? It's one of the most interesting things to me to this day, and probably only to me, but Chris Barnes... Remember, this is the COVID year. Like only media was at training camp. They didn't have a huge off-season. There was no preseason games. There was not a lot of buzz about you know Chris Barnes in training camp that year.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
2: during the 53-man cutdowns, they released Chris Barnes. They released Chris Barnes on the 53-man cutdown. And you know what they did? They gambled. They gambled aggressively because guess who started week one at inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers in 2020? Not due to an injury that happened during the week, not due to any change in circumstances, Chris Barnes. They were planning to start Chris Barnes week one and still subjected him to waivers for any team in the NFL to pick up that season. And nobody did. Because there was not much buzz about Chris Barnes at training camp, and they took the educated gamble that they were going to be able to release him, pick him back up during the week, keep an additional 53-man roster player, then put somebody on uh, you know, IR with the intention to recall them during the season, open up roster spots, and pick Chris Barnes back up through the course of the week, and then start him in week one. They did that and got away with it in 2020. So just because a player gets released on those 53-man roster cutdowns, it's not necessarily to say that they don't think highly of that player. They are just a lot of times playing a little bit of a game and trying to figure out the best way that they can get their favorite 69 players back on that roster without losing them to any other team. So the 53-man roster, yes, in some capacity is trying to make sure that you have the right guys to go out and play in week one and do all those sorts of things and and put together a winning roster. There's no question about that. There is still a large aspect of that. But with the ability to call players up from the practice squad and have 69 total players on your roster, that 53-man roster is just as much about making sure that you are keeping the 53 guys that you do not want to lose. And if that means that you have to, you know, let's just say, right, let's say Matt Orzik and Broughton Hatcher, that there's no difference between the two, all right? Let's just say there's zero difference. You could theoretically go without a long snapper on your 53 and put Hatcher and Orzick on your practice squad week one and call one of them up. You could call one of them up for the first three weeks and then they'd be out of eligibility. You call the next up for the next three weeks. And then after that, week seven, you could be like, all right, we're out of options. We're going to sign finally one of them to the active roster. And you, know, but at that time, you probably had now three or four guys go on the injured list in some capacity, whatever, right? And spots are going to open up through the course of the season. Let's say the same thing with, you know, Pat O'Donnell and Daniel Whelan. You could theoretically think of a scenario where that would happen as well. Like there are so many different scenarios that you could go through where you don't have to have the traditional filling out of the 53 man roster. And it is going to become more and more about making sure that you have the right 53 that you do not want to lose to any other team. So could they go with, two running backs again? Yeah, I think so. If they felt confident that Tyler Goodson and and Patrick Taylor and Lou Nichols could get back to their practice squad, or that maybe they only need like two of those three, maybe there's not a huge differentiator and they feel like, hey, if we lose one of them to waivers, we still have the other two and we'll just bring those guys back in the practice squad. Yeah, that's something that they could do again. Could they maybe want to protect a guy like Brenton Cox and Malik Heath, Grant DuBose, Lou Nichols, maybe some guys that could get claimed based on their performances and they don't want to lose them because they're young you know, talented players, yeah, they could keep extra players at those positions, edge, running back, wide receiver, you know, to to make sure that they keep those players and don't subject them to a team that would maybe try to pick them up off of, uh, you know, waivers and and pick them up in the 53-man cut down process. So that's possible as well. And that's what Green Bay should be focusing on is making sure they keep the right players that they are not going to lose to any other team. And you could look at it from another way too, right? If you release Jonathan Ford, maybe Jonathan Ford's one of your 53 best players, but guess what? If you release him, can you get him back on the practice squad? Probably. Tariq Carpenter, Innis Gaines, Keandre Thomas, Tyler Goodson, Bo Melton, Corey Ballantyne, Eric Wilson, Patrick Taylor, Danny Etling. Are we feeling like any of those guys are going to get claimed by another team? And if you don't think so you maybe don't mind stashing those guys on the you know practice squad and subjecting them to waivers to begin with. Some of those guys are past waiver period and they would um, be vested veterans. So they would be free agents immediately, but I don't have a ton of concern that maybe any of those guys are ultimately getting claimed. Maybe a carpenter would because of his special teams prowess from a season ago, you know, maybe Tyler Goodson would, if he had a really good preseason, I don't know. I kind of feel like you're probably pretty safe with getting a lot of those guys back on the practice squad. So again, I just want to say you could switch the names out and and a training camp will go and, and preseason will go a long way in determining which of these guys you feel really strongly about and want to keep. But if you feel that you can get some of these guys back in the practice squad, this is all the game that Brian Gutekunst has to play on this 53-man roster cutdown, And that's why it's less about, again, checking those boxes and filling those positions and making sure you're not subjecting guys to waivers that you ultimately want to keep on your team. So you can easily get to 48 players that you need on game day, 49 if you ultimately keep a third quarterback, and call players up through the course of the week if you need to while still keeping the young talent on your roster. And this is even more so the case in 2023 when you are putting a young, talented team on the field. And when you have 13 draft picks and a bunch of more undrafted guys that you already started to like, and, uh, you know, what, 12 draft picks from a season ago, not to mention guys like Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, Bo Melton, et cetera, who are on this roster. Like there is a lot of super young talent on this team, and you may not want to subject some of those guys and open them up to being able to get picked up by other teams. So when you are this young, talented team, that's probably not, you know, pushing super aggressively for a Super Bowl in 2023, it's going to be more important important that you don't lose some of those guys. And one of the worst things that you could have happen would be to lose a super young, talented player to another team and have to watch them go out and succeed at a high level for another team's roster. So that is the one thing that you really want to be cognizant of here. So I don't want to take away any of the fun 53-man roster project, you know, projections and predictions. They were always a little bit overrated, but this is just a little bit of a different way of looking at it and just really be focused on how can they get the all of their 69 players back that they want to keep on this roster without losing anyone. That should be the goal. And the way you get there is by keeping the 53 guys that you for sure do not want to lose and make sure that they don't get claimed because they are on your team and then playing a little bit of that game and gambling a little bit by releasing the next batch of players and hoping that they don't get claimed by any other team and that you can ultimately get them back on your best 16, you know, your best possible 16 man practice squad. So just remember the goal isn't to fill out the most balanced roster, it's to keep your best players on your roster and not ultimately subject them to waivers, especially when you are a young, talented football team that's not exactly pushing for a Super Bowl this upcoming season. That's gonna do it for my main topic today. Make sure to check out Pack A Day Live tonight, 7 p.m. Central, live on YouTube. You're not going to want to miss that. I will try to answer as many questions as I can, so make sure to check that out. Join me tomorrow for a full training camp preview right here on the Pack A Day Podcast, both wherever you get your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. I have a ton of training camp content coming your way that you are not going to want to miss, so make sure to hit that notify button as well for anytime any new content comes out. If you're getting this on the audio podcast, please make sure to Subscribe as well. Make sure to leave a comment and uh, put a rating out there as well. Um, would really, really appreciate that. That's one of the biggest ways that you can support Packaday is by giving that five-star review and uh, putting those comments out there as well. Those are always super appreciated. That's enough for my uh, you know endless plugs here today. I am so excited that it is training camp season. I will be right back here tonight for the live Q and A, and then tomorrow with the training camp you know camp preview. But until next time, and as always, go Packo.